Hello and welcome to a different Brits on Flix. This is the end of 2018 and we are looking at our personal favourite 10 movies of the year so far. So, Brian, what have you made of 2018 as a cinematic year? Um, <clears throat> obviously, we're, we're, you know, this is Brits on Flix, so we are going off UK release dates. Um, but... If I'm being perfectly honest, I think this year has been a little bit lacklustre, shall we say? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, like, it's not set me on fire, I'll say that much. Um, like, I'm, I'm happy with my top ten, but once we kind of dovetail off my top ten, it's... It starts to range from, you know, solid to middling. Mm. Uh, whereas I, I like usually each year I get like quite a lot of four star films that I feel are like you know the, the kind of vying for attention that mm-hmm. I, I find it hard to place them. This year it's just been a lot more three star films than they have four star films. Uh, now. I've not been to cinema as much this year as I have usual years. I, I, I didn't have my cinema pass um, at the end of this year. I, I kind of got rid of it for various reasons that I won't go into. But, uh, yeah, it just means that the cinema trips have been fewer and further between. I, I tend to want to just... I tend to just go cinema now when there's a film on that I really want to watch. Mm. Um, the, the downside of that is that actually when I used to just go for the sake of going I would often find gems that I, I wasn't expecting that would you know surprise me and things like that because I, I usually see about 100 films at the cinema each year and this, this year I've seen 70 new releases not all of them are cinema releases a lot of them are like Netflix films Amazon mm. releases things like that so yeah I, my, the number of films has definitely been down this year on previous years so that could be that could have something to do with it I don't know hmm. um, I, I was looking at my letterbox before I come on and I've seen 142 movies that have been released this year no, not all in the cinema like you said some are straight onto Netflix yeah. some are uh, other avenues video on demand yeah. and things like that and even now I don't know that I'm 100% settled with my top 10. Um, For various reasons, there's movies. My one and two have always been there in that position. It's it's the bottom end that kind of moves about a lot. And there's certain movies that I wanted to put in there, but they don't really belong um, in a top 10 list. But... um, There was a specific movie that I think the majority of people hated, but I had such a good experience at the cinema with it um, that I, I was considering putting it on my top ten. You know, I've seen it in the cinema twice. I watched it again at the weekend and I enjoyed the movie, but by no way is it a top ten movie of the year, mm. even though I get a lot of pleasure out of it. So I, I would say from my last three spots, 
could easily be swapped out with any other number of maybe five or six movies. Um, yeah. I think this year has definitely had some ups and downs. I would say the blockbusters definitely worked a lot this year. The, the, the ones that the, the, um, did it well, did it exceptionally well, and, and there's mm. a few of them on my top ten list this yeah. year. Um, so I'm really yeah. pleased with that. There wasn't as many surprises, you know, in previous years, like The Guest or Nightcrawler. Yeah. I never really found that this year in the cinema. Mm. Um, but I did find a couple of movies. Um, three of my list uh, are things that I didn't discover in the cinema. One was a video on demand, one was a Netflix, and one was a movie that was dumped straight onto DVD Blu-ray um, that, that I've put in my top ten. Right. So going to be some interesting lists we usually kind of differ quite a lot in these as well Brian yeah yeah definitely um yeah interesting to see where it goes so do you want to get into it um yeah sure would you like me to start yeah go on then my number 10 is summer of 84 the the kind of teens in the mid 80s discovering well it's kind of like rear window really mixed with a little bit of the Goonies um, I, yeah. I really enjoyed this movie for a couple of reasons I thought the kids were pretty interesting and fun you know you kind of get that relationship that you get with certain kids like they had in It or say Stand By Me that, that feels genuine um, and of its time and then you get this really sort of fun Scooby-Doo aspect as they try to track down their neighbour who they consider as, as a possible child abductor um, and where it goes at the end it's a really dark and brooding ending that doesn't really pull any punches You know, it, it doesn't tie everything off in a neat little bow um, it kind of gives you that kind of gut punch at the end this was a movie that that felt as if it was almost made for me it tailored to almost everything that I, I look for in a movie and, and like I said it just eked in there at number 10 ok yeah um very very far down on my list that one I, I just I liked it uh, but I, I I felt the low budget of it um, and I, and I kind of I don't know, it, it felt like one of those films that's jumping on that bandwagon of you know Super Eight Stranger Things it where they're trying to recapture the eighties kind of like you say Goonies vibe um, it just it just felt I don't want to use the word forced because that's one of those words that reviewers use that don't actually really mean anything. It just gets out of it gets them out of having to actually explain themselves. But it, it constructed, I guess, mm. is a better word. It felt too constructed, um, like I could see the building work that had gone into it. Right. Um, whereas, like with it. Uh, Super 8 films like that I, 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 they, they felt more natural to me uh, and again that that could just be down to the budget I don't know I feel it's more down to the direction and the performances but I enjoyed the film I didn't like the ending um, mm. I, I can see why people would because it, it does throw you a curveball it doesn't it doesn't well it's, it's not a happy ending is it um, mm. no. <laughs> so but uh but yeah, it, it was it was a good indie film, I think, a good indie horror. But to be honest, I don't see this being in a lot of people's top tens. Um, I do like the director team behind it. Um, they did 
the Turbo Kid a few years back, which was another mm-hmm. 80s inspired science fiction movie, which I loved as well. So uh, these guys, are, for me, are, are just two out of two so far. Right. If, if I did a top 10 horror of the year, it would make the list. I'll say that much. Hmm. Like, I, like I say, I liked it. I didn't love it. Hmm. Um, there we go. Okay, so my number 10 is Incredibles 2. It's, uh, it's the only animated film on my list, and hmm. it's just a very good one. I've, I've always been a big fan of Brad Bird as a director and what he did with the original Incredibles. Uh, I think he's back here for the second one. I think he did the second one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Yeah, but again, tremendous job. Uh, Really credits the audience with some intelligence. You know, it doesn't... There are a couple of things about it that I kind of guessed straight away. Like, right off the bat, I knew who the villain was. Um, literally within the first few scenes of the characters being there, I, I'm like, okay, I've got this. I know who I know who the bad guy is, and I think that's just a result of having seen so many superhero movies and things like that. Yeah. That now it just, unfortunately, there's there's nowhere to go mm-hmm. that's truly original. But like I say, what Brad Bird does is he. He takes a family drama and he mixes it together with a comic book superhero movie. Uh, and I'm a fan of those kind of movies. So, yeah, it, it just he excels in, in both those aspects. But um, it's, it's funny. It's also touching at times with the family stuff. Um, and the animation is absolutely spot on. Uh, you know, it's come a long way since that first Incredibles film, which itself still looks pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I saw Incredibles uh, two twice at the cinema. The, the first time it was it was a joy. Um, the second time I, I struggled a little bit with. Um, I'd say the more story aspects of the movie, uh, everything else, the family drama, and that was still great the second time round, but. The, the story points is just kind of uninteresting the second time round. I think if I was to make a list of my top five moments in cinema this year, I think the Jack Jack sequence um, would be very near the top, if not the right. top one, because that right. was just an outstanding scene. Um, just brings it brings a smile to my face just thinking of it. Where he's reeling off all his powers. Yes, fighting the raccoon, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. squaring off against it is just. Yeah. Terrifically entertaining and really inventive. Mm, definitely. Okay, um, my number nine is Halloween. Uh, another horror movie. I I, <laughs> I love this uh, instantly. <laughs> there he goes, folks. Um, okay. The Halloween re- reboot, sequel, reimagining type thing. Um, yeah. For me. I was wary of this one. Uh, you know, I was I, I bought into the trailer. I was a little bit worried about how it was actually going to turn out. Mm. Um, but I feel that they did a lot of homages to the original. They added uh, enough fresh new things to it and gave me a storyline that really moved on the Laurie Strode character, uh, bypassing a lot of the craps that came in between these movies um, okay. and, and just gave me back the sort of Michael Myers that, that I kind of liked. You know, the terrifying one, the one that's got a fist full of teeth. <laughs> I still go back to that I think that's just horrifying <clears throat> um, 
a lot of people had problems with certain aspects of it, like the podcasters and things like that. Didn't bother me. It, it was a means to getting them out, and th- that was fine. And I, I liked how it, it kind of homaged the original, but brought it into the current day. You know, a lot more violence, a lot more blood and guts that you would expect. The key sequence for me was Michael Myers walking down the street. You know, just killing indiscriminately um, it really put this aspect of almost like a shark just constantly moving forward constantly just harming um, you know there's, there's a moment where he stops and looks at a baby as if going should I bother you know you got a feeling he, he, he kills a, a young boy at the start of the movie you know so you get this aspect right away that he is just you know no morals no moral compass whatsoever he is just a brutal killing machine on a rampage um, I, I, I thought Halloween was terrific take it away <laughs> I, I like it I do um, I think man if if you if you could couple all the style of Halloween 2018 and the performances and the music, especially the music, uh, the the design, you know, the production design, the cinematography. If you could take all of that and put it on the script for H two O, you would have a perfect you you would have a film that to me would be better than the original. Mm. Um, you know, just like. I just, I do, I feel it falls down on the script, which is kind of the strongest thing for me. Uh, I, I, I will still buy it, I will still watch it again. I certainly think it's one of the best Halloween films. Mm. It's certainly better than Rob Zombie's efforts uh, and most of the other sequels. I just, I just feel like they needed to fix some of those problems. Sartain... While his motivations weren't a problem for me, uh, like I, f- I feel like the way in which they reveal them are, uh, I think it's sloppily handled the way they reveal his real motivations. And they could have they could have solved it with a, a few quick fixes in the script. A couple of things they could have done just to to help that along. I think. Um, the husband character of Laurie Strode's daughter is a waste waste of space. Absolutely so, waste sorry, of space. Right. Um, I, 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 just the whole I, I've got peanut butter on my penis it makes him a worthwhile character. <laughs> See that that to me as well is is the it's really jarring comments like that because that's where I see the handiwork of. Um, what's his face? Dude, the dude who wrote it, can't remember his name. It's escaping me at the moment. Yeah, so the, the dude, the dude who was in Alien Covenant, like Danny McBride. Danny McBride. So that that's got Danny McBride written all over it, um, which is a shame because th- this isn't Pineapple Express. It's Halloween. We, we don't we don't want that stuff here, and it's like the kid as well. I know. <laughs> I know a lot of people really oh, yeah. loved the kid in it. I I thought it was funny. Thought it was amusing. 
but he was from a different film. He shouldn't have been in this film. It's like when you've got a figure that is supposed to strike terror into people and and you kind of you interrupt that terror with a bit of comedy from this child. It uh, <laughs> Yeah, like I say, that's Danny McBride, that's their brand of humour mm. that they've kind of dragged over from their comedies, which they should have just left the hell alone. Um so not a perfect film could have been better but i do still really enjoy it for all those other things i said the horror moments when they hit do hit hard i think michael myers is the best we've had since the original the cinematography is fantastic the music is amazing amazing score by john carpenter on this um the kills are brutal Mm. yeah you know so i would still buy it i still think it's great just not quite the masterpiece that some people have proclaimed but uh there you go uh so my number nine another comic book movie (laughs) 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 you start off with two horrors i start off with two comic book movies kind of tells you where our sensibilities lie um deadpool 2 uh just yeah as with the first film had a total blast with it um, bringing the kid character in to it, pairing him up with Deadpool, stroke of genius for me, just the, the chemistry between them two, the dialogue, Domino as well, the the the, the girl who plays Domino, I thought she was very good, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, yeah, it was just irreverent as anything, uh, as... Again, as the first one was. If you if you really loved the first one, you you pretty much get more of the same, and that's kind of what I was expecting, what I was hoping for, and yeah, mm-hmm. just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Deadpool two a, a lot. At no point did I ever consider getting close to my top ten. Um, it's probably going to be one of those movies that I will go back to, but it'll be next year, the year after, or something. I won't rush to it. Um, but nothing bad to say about it at all. Um, like you said, more of the same when it comes to yeah. Deadpool, which is a good thing. My number eight. No, it should be said that these are all personal preferences, and I could understand everybody just going, not at all, shouldn't be on your list, blah, 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 whatever. This is my list, it's movies that I enjoyed, and that's why Creed 2 is at number eight. In the Creed, Rocky, Creed 2, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rocky 8. Uh, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Now, I I'm a sucker for these kind of movies. Uh, anyway, it's it's not about the plot points. It's more about the the expansion of the character of Rocky, um, and, and how it deals with it. And I think Rocky's one of these really fascinating characters because we've had a space of these movies over forty years where we've seen the character like achieve highs and then become to look really humble. The end part of his life, which is way more interesting, uh, a facet, and it's nice that they don't treat him as the main character, but they keep going back to him, and you can tell that he's not the smartest guy. He doesn't know how to articulate himself. He, he can only be say, honest as he can be, and and take people as they come. I, I love this facet and the the introduction of Adonis Creed and how he moves into this one was great as well, you know. The, the, the plot points you can see coming a mile away. And, and I'm 
I'm willing to go with it. I'm going to let the movie play me whatever way it wants to because I'm there for every beat. I mean, it gets to the final fight and you know exactly what's going to happen. You know he's going to get beat about and then all of a sudden he's, you know, the eye of the tiger is going to start and he's going to (laughs) come back to life. And there's a moment in Creed 2 in the final fight where he starts to come back and he knocks uh, Drago Jr. down and that rousing uh, Rocky anthem kicks in and I almost felt like just standing up and cheering in the seat, you know, just one of those bits that just got me. I think it's because I'm so invested in the character, but it had me um, going up and down with the character right to the end, um, to the the great fight sequence, which was just tremendous yet again. um, Creed 2, I think it's... uh, better than I expected it was going to be you know um, when Creed came out a couple of years I think it was my number two number three movie of that year um, and I'm really surprised that Creed 2 lived up to it pleasantly surprised I love it um, and let there be a, a part three soon okay did you see it Brian? I, I've not seen it yet no um, I liked Creed <clears throat> I didn't love it I, I, I thought it was slightly overrated um, I, I I like the Rocky films. I can't say I watch them regularly. I I think the first one is an absolute classic, hmm. five star film all the way. Um, but I feel they went a little bit too off the rails at some point. Uh, you know, they, they still had the moments. Still had the moments. Rocky Bal Rock, Rocky Balboa was hmm. pretty good. Uh, yeah, um, but I think they, they, they do are an interesting thing with Creed Two, where they bring in the Dolph Lundgren character, um, and they have him and his son, and they don't really have a lot of conversations. But you know exactly where that relationship is, and even though you don't spend a lot of time with them, um, you see that evolve by the end of the movie to a, a healthier place for them, and it's it's nice that it gives the bad guys or the, the antagonists a little bit of room to grow and to become better people as well and they're not just like Rocky IV when Dolph Lundgren was just the, the bad guy for everybody to rally against this person mm-hmm. is, has reasons to do what they're wanting to do and I like that Okay I, I, I do want to see it but again it's, it's that whole thing of what do, what do I choose to pay for and yeah, this this month I was saving my t- saving my money for the uh, Aquaman release. <laughs> it's not appeared on the list as yet, Brian. Uh, no, 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 it, it won't do either. Um, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so my number eight is A Quiet Place. Mm. Uh, fantastic movie. I, I just. I saw the trailers for it and I was like this ain't gonna work this <laughs> I'm sorry but no just we're supposed to believe that they can they can remain quiet in this place for so long um, but once you get to watching the film you just become immersed you become lost with these characters you become you feel like you're with them Uh and, and again, and that's Krasinski's direction, his ability as a screenwriter, and the fantastic performance, particularly by Emily Blunt, but right. him as well. 
yes, there are a couple of stupid moments in it where people do things where you, where you think, surely throwing something over there would be better than, you know, <laughs> calling attention to yourself. But, uh, but beyond that, it, it 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 really was an incredible um, debut. Was it his, was it his debut yeah. as director? Yeah, I think it so. was. Yeah, I, like I know he'd written before. Uh, so he, he wrote a film with Matt Damon called Promised Land. Another film which I think is very good indeed. Highly underrated, actually, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely one to watch. John Krasinski. Uh, he's multifaceted in his talents. Um, both in front and behind the camera. So, yeah, a creature design on it again as well was absolutely fantastic. Uh, some really tense moments, particularly the whole standing on the nail scene and the the birth in a bathtub stuff. It was just yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. So great stuff. Yeah, um, you want to see the magic of this movie? See it in the opening weekend in a packed cinema and have not a person make a sound throughout that mm. say, like first 45 minutes where the movie is really quiet and low key and, and it <clears> takes you to the edge of just a bit going like is something going to happen and then <laughs> it does big yeah. style yeah that was a pretty good movie it's not quite made my top 10 um, number 7 for me is a Netflix original movie and that is Cargo um, stars Martin Freeman it is a zombie movie that is about as cliched as you could possibly get with a zombie movie you have uh, this man who is in the Australian outback he has his young daughter maybe 8-9 months with him and uh, he's been infected and he has a matter of I think it's 72 hours before the virus takes hold to find somebody to look after his daughter, somebody that he can trust. Um, and it goes through typical beats that you've seen before in zombie movies, but it's this kind of emotional core of a father just trying to find someplace safe for his daughter. And, and when you get to the end and you've got a, a zombie movie that has you welling up, because it really does bring the emotionals with it, um, I, I had to put it on my list. This movie really affected me watching it. It really got to me. And for a zombie movie to do that, which is but we've seen almost every iteration, yeah. it's something special. And I, I think it's down to Martin Freeman's performance and the emotional core of the story. Okay. It's just bizarre that a Netflix film makes you top ten, really. Uh, it's uh, yeah, one like that I they, said, one they produced, is it? Yeah, is it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. There's nothing new um, with the whole zombie aspect of it. Mm. Um, but it's the, the sort of relationships that are built throughout the movie uh, and um, like I said the, the emotional content that it did have for me right. I'll, I'll have to check that one out actually cause, uh, yeah. but you, you're looking very distinctly horror so far it's going to change three three horror films on, on the truck but hey um, okay Number seven for me is Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Uh, Spike Lee's one of them funny kind of directors because when when he has a new film out, it doesn't excite me. I'm kind of like, 
Yeah, a new Spike Lee film, great, that's going to be political. Um, but when I actually look back at the Spike Lee films I've seen, I honestly can't say I've ever given one of his films less than a four-star rating. <laughs> so, I, like, seeing Black Klansman this year kind of made me reevaluate my thoughts on him. Um, and I, I went out and bought Malcolm X, actually, because it's been one that's been on my radar for years, but I've never actually seen. Right. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Denzel Washington. Uh, but th that's what this film did, basically. It, it made me want to check out more of his stuff because I thought it was brilliant, absolutely mm. brilliant. Some people have complained about the on-the-nose political leanings towards the end of the film doesn't bother me at all um i didn't think it was that on the nose to be honest i, I a little obvious maybe but i i don't know it, it works for me it works for me uh but the the primary thing is this central relationship between this black cop who is well F fbi guy who is really really geared towards climbing the ladder but but doing it in the right way he's not like a career opportunist in, in the bad sense he just wants to to prove himself do right do a good job um and you know he gets his promotion and takes on a ridiculous case in which he poses as uh someone who wants to join <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan uh, but obviously when when he gets a meeting he, he uh, his partner then has to go his partner kind of gets dragged into it so this uh, Kylo Ren what's his face Adam Driver and just the two of them together in this it's kind of like a buddy cop movie a very unconventional buddy cop movie um and it, yeah it's just about seeing the racial tensions kind of slip away between these guys uh you know the, the the respect they generate towards one another uh and and yeah the the camaraderie that they have throughout the film uh when everyone else is kind of too busy kind of making racial slurs and things like that it, it's just it's just a really great relationship mm. a really great humorous film but also very serious and quite uh scary at times not in a horror sense but just in you know wow there are people like this in the world kind of sense yeah. uh so yeah incredible writing incredible direction incredible performances loved it so. yeah I really like Black Klansman as well, and I've got to say, um, just watching it, Adam Driver, I think, is, is suddenly became one of the best actors mm. ever. You know, it just every time I see him, I think this guy's just got it. We're seeing a master at work, and mm. I, can't, I can't wait to see what else he's going to be in. Everything I've seen him in, truly fantastic. Mm. So. so um, I think I'm almost almost not quite out of horror movies um, but we'll jump into a, a, a blockbuster again um, Mission Impossible 6 Fallout is my number 6 I these movies are they, they took a turn I'd say around about part 4 part 3 you know, 
it's kind of got a TV look about it, part three mm, for me. No, JJ yeah. Abrams saved this franchise. He got it. Well See, I, I don't think JJ Abrams is like uh, Lord and Savior of everything. I think he's 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 okay. Um, you know, I think there's some problems with his filmography, but I will say that um, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation is still my favourite. I would say that Fallout was was truly uh, terrific. Um, yeah, Brian, I would I would probably say that it's five, six, one, four, three, two. There we go. Quick rundown of Mission Impossible movies. <gasps> How dare you! Um, Again, it's it's all about the action. It is. It well, I thought you were going to say it's all about the uh, personal preference. But that, that is, yeah. this movie on my list, it's, it's about the, the ridiculous action set pieces. They're just mm-hmm. they are jaw dropping um, for a reason. You know the the whole um, bike chase through Paris. So many scenes that are just gobsmacked. The, the helicopter part at the end is just wow. Um, it's just become one of these series of movies that I don't know how long they're going to continue but man these are some of the best action movies that I've ever seen you know your heart's literally pumping in your chest watching some of the stuff going on on screen mm-hmm. and then um, this, this one for me wasn't perfect not by a long shot I had some problems as it tries to connect it to too much to the universe and bring too many things and, and parts into it that didn't quite land for me Um with his wife and things like that and I feel as if it's, it's being kind of almost shoehorned in there to give a, a kind of emotional centre for the character I just want to see the guy doing crazy action stuff and that's what I get on you okay. go Brian, say your piece we'll get there and oh. my number five is six fam- six so yes, my number six. That's right. My number six is Phantom Thread. Uh, on paper, this just looks dull. <laughs> on paper, this does does not excite me. Somebody tells me the synopsis to Phantom Thread, I'm like, Paul Thomas Anderson, have, have you have you lost your way? Seriously, but man alive just gripped Hmm. through these characters Daniel Day-Lewis gives an astounding performance as does the the actress that's in it whose name escapes me right now Um, I did actually nominate her in the Lomax Movie Awards (laughs) this year because obviously those awards are based on US release dates so this this is technically a 2017 release for, for US peeps but we didn't get it till 2018 uh, and like I say it was just phenomenal because of those performances and because of the writing by Paul Thomas Anderson who did actually act as cinematographer on this now he he tries to push that aside and say that he didn't really do it that it was mainly it was all the crew getting together uh, but uh, but yeah they they didn't have an official cinematographer for this. They kind of just pulled together and, and did it themselves. So, but it looks beautiful. It looks amazing. Uh, those really wide-angle lenses that he uses. Uh, just, you know, it's a film about a fashion designer with a mummy complex. 
who struggles to kind of function in relationships with women. He he never holds on to them that much. He kind of pushes them aside. It it sounds dull, but it's not. It's just really character driven really nail-biting stuff even though there's no action scenes there's no big explosions or anything like that it's literally all in the drama um yeah incredible drama phantom thread paul thomas anderson boom yeah uh, one that i've not seen as yet brian no so i'll need to get to it um number five for me is a bit of a strange one it's one that came out straight to blu-ray and it is the <laughs> look at the fear <laughs> all of my stuff are like actual cinema releases you got like Netflix films you got straight to Blu-ray go on hit me with it The Endless okay okay right, don't say too much about plot because I have bought it I've still mm. not watched it I do want to watch it so that was a straight to Blu-ray one was it yes I had that couple of cinema releases as it came out limited kind of yeah the same right. day it was released on and oh uh, right okay disc. um i really like the directors uh, moorhead and benson um, they did a movie that is somewhat connected to this called relentless that you can get on the limited edition blu-ray mm. they also did spring that came out and i think it was 2014 which was one of my favorite movies of that year and it's truly something special if you haven't seen it the Endless is a, a science fiction movie about um, a UFO death cult who these two brothers ran away from when they were young. They've struggled to adapt to modern life and for closure decide to go back just to make sure that they've made the right decision. And when they go back, stuff happens. I don't really know what else to tell you. Um, the director's star as the main two characters, which is, is a bold choice to make. Um, they do, it's, it's very low budget, but they do marvellous work with the special effects, and there are quite a lot of them in the movie. The story is kind of what's going on here. This is really kind of freaky and fun, and it's one of those movies that kind of caught me off guard almost. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting much and I was kind of blown away by the story that they constructed and created and found this really entertaining science fiction thriller um, mm. which I want to tell you a lot more about but because Brian's not seen <laughs> it I better not um, so The Endless if you can get a copy of the limited edition um, that comes with Relentless as well which is another fantastic movie yeah that's that's the edition I got so Good. I do need to get around to watching both of those soon mm. um okay so my number five um i think i think anyone from the u.s who's going to be watching is going to be a bit kind of miffed that I'll, quite a few of my selections are from 2017 but what can we do what can we do stupid release dates um but uh yeah so three billboards outside ebbing missouri just incredible uh martin mcdonough is one of my favorite filmmakers uh he made in bruges which 
one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, I, I thought Seven Psychopaths also was very underrated. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were down on that film, but it's it's a cracking film. His brother as well has made some incredible stuff. Um, Calvary, most notably, uh, for me personally. But yeah, this has got all of his hallmarks. Just dry really dry sense of humour mm -hmm. um, but very touching as well moments that have real warmth and humanity in them even though they're sandwiched between scenes of racist cops pushing people out <laughs> of windows um, yeah. you know it, it's it's, re it's a very layered film it's a character piece um, it takes characters who you should despise and somehow makes you fall in love with them uh, you know somehow makes you want them to have redemption uh it's yeah it's just such amazing writing i wish i could write the way that either one of the mcdonough brothers writes because it, it's it, yeah it's incredible and a brilliant central performance by francis mcdormand um yeah just she's ferocious in this absolutely ferocious just trying to trying to hold the police to account mm -hmm. for for the job that they should be doing um but the, but the film never shies away from also you know showing that actually it's it's just not that simple you can't just it, it's not that easy for the police you know there's procedures and if the evidence just ain't there then it just ain't there so you you kind of feel for Woody Harrelson's character because he's the chief of police. Uh, yeah, he's 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 a bit of a douche in in many ways, but he's also not in others. Uh, so so you kind of feel sorry for him for the pressure that is being applied, but then you understand why McDarmon's character is applying that pressure. So yeah, divided loyalties all the time. Which is which is what I love from a drama. It's what a good drama should do: um, is make you flip flop all the time between a love and a hate for different characters. So, mm -hmm. yeah, brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah, it's a it's a movie that is full of characters, honest to goodness, three dimensional people who have good points and bad points. You know, mm. yeah. um, I thought the movie was perfect as well. Yeah, my number four is Ready Player One. Now, um, at the start of the year, I would never have thought this was going to be on my top ten, let alone as high up. I'm a huge fan of the Ernie Klein book. Um, I read it years ago when it first came out and thought it was terrific. And I was worried about how they were going to do this um, because the book's all about text-based adventures or and covers so many different pop culture references that I just didn't know how they were going to manage it. But mm. how could you ever doubt Steven Spielberg, realistically? You know, I think the man pulls it off by creating this rip-roaring adventure movie that is edge-of-the-seat thrill ride and has all those moments of just Easter eggs literally all over the screen as you discover all these characters from all different fantastic movies just, just there for a brief moment. And for some reason, that's exciting. <laughs> But yeah, at the heart of it, you, you get this really great adventure, which drives it along. There, there's, it's not perfect. There, there's silly moments like the kind of love story that happens that isn't entirely necessary. But 
it's just a faction that's there I can live with it because everything else is pretty terrific mm, yeah I enjoyed it I enjoyed it quite a lot um, I think even on his worst day Spielberg is still going to make a good film uh, mm. I, I think you know you, you say who would doubt Spielberg but a lot of people these days do for some reason um, and I think it's I think it's just because of how good he is at what he does that people now expect too much from him. Mm. So yeah. when he ma- when he makes a film that by any other director's standards would be up there, people are like, nah, you know. And it's it's just like a lot. I know a lot of people were like that about Bridge of Spies, but I thought that was an incredible drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really did. Like when I watched that, I went into that not expecting a right lot. I, I, it looked like one of those films that was going to be Spielberg just passing the time until his next mm-hmm. film. But I was sucked into that thing. I, I you know, I, I loved it. Um, this for me, I, I know you can justify it because it does all take place in a computer world, but it's a little bit too animated for me. Like I. I get the stupidity of that comment. I get, I get, I, I get how stupid that sounds, given the world in which it exists. But it's just, it's a bit jarring, just the way it's, the way it is, a bit too cartoony and a bit too animated. Um, I think maybe it'll translate better on a smaller screen. Mm. I don't know. Maybe um, I will be buying it because I liked it enough to want, to definitely want to see it again. I am a big Spielberg fan, and I love my sci-fi movies. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it, may, it maybe rests a little bit too much on that nostalgia factor of, like you say, just you know, just seeing iconic characters in the background and just buzzing off it. And it's like once <laughs> once you take that away, is is there so, is there anything left there? And I do think there is, but maybe not as much as I'd like. Um, it it is a fanboy film, basically. Mm. It is is a film you sit you watch and you just fanboy the heck out by all the stuff that's kind of flashing on screen so yeah um, not enough to make my top 10 but it, it is definitely a really good kick ass ride so my number 4 is Avengers uh, Infinity War really? and yeah I loved it um, mm. yes we know that the ending isn't going to stay that way. I don't care because it's just Thanos is the main character essentially. Yeah. It's his. This is his story. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we like, it doesn't matter that we know what he's done is going to be undone in the next film. Everyone knows that. What matters is that actually he he has an arc. He gets a fully formed, fully fledged character arc from start to finish where basically he's the best villain that they've had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And if there was one villain that you needed to be good in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it was this guy. You know, in a lot of the solo films, they've gotten by with really mediocre villains we've kind of not bothered too much because everything else around them has been good but this is what this is it this is what all of those movies have been leading to 
So this just turned out to be some world dominator, some guy who just wanted to rule the world, and that was it. It would have been such a disappointment. But no, they give him character, they give him strong, strong motivations. Uh, even though you don't agree with him, you can still see his perspective. You get why he's come to the, the conclusions that he has. Um, you know, and, and even the relationships that he has with his daughter. Um, you know, the, 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 the particular scene that happens between him and her. There's emotion tied up in that because of what it means for him as a character um, and then the final moments when you see that he has that moment of catharsis because he's achieved his goal you know if, the, if this were any other movie we'd be following the hero mm -hmm. the hero would win at the end and he would get his moment of catharsis hooray people cheer he has his celebration film's over we get the same thing here it's just that it's not the hero, it's the villain. So we're left in this moment of kind of... We get that catharsis of him having achieved his goals, but we're not with him. Uh, so it, it leaves you in this place where you're like, okay. Um, even, like I say, even though you know it's going to all get undone. So I think that's quite a feat, to be able to make you still feel those things, mm. even though you know it don't really mean a right lot but it does mean a lot because of the character motivations because of the depth that they give him as a character so yeah brilliant film and you know i've just talked about thanos but all the main characters the actual heroes they all get their moments to shine the action is brilliant there's so many characters to juggle that it, it could just fall apart at the seams but no the Russo brothers manage it they juggle all these characters or give them each one their moment to shine and it's just a comic book movie nerds dream uh, of a film so yeah incredible yeah I think Avengers was pretty terrific which is why it's my number three um, and the biggest uh, the best blockbuster this year in my opinion um, much of what you said I, I just have to echo but I would throw into it that the mixing up of the of the heroes was really interesting and fun mm. you know um, by pairing them off like pairing uh, Rocket with Thor it was such yes. an interesting <laughs> pairing and, and created it's two of my favourite characters and again it gives you those fist pumping moments you know that moment when Thor joins the battle at the end with his, his new weapon it was just like yes here we go you know this is just fantastic um, and it's it's an organisational tale you know to balance all these moving parts to give it moments of real weight you know I, I think there's a, a particularly marvellous acted moment when uh, Peter Parker breaks down in Tony's arms and says he doesn't want mm. to die, you know yeah. which, mm. regardless of the future, it's a perfect moment because it's a young kid just dealing it's with real. mortality it's, yeah. it's a real moment of humanity, uh, yeah and amongst this, this tale of superheroes, you know, mm. it's these kind of it's the small things that tie it together um, and like you said, I, I don't whatever comes next comes next this is its own movie in its own right 
and I think it is fantastic. And, and as you said, Thanos, the best baddie. Um, if, if he didn't work, the movie doesn't work. Um, I think my f- two favourite moments of Thanos in this movie is he sits down at the end and a, a tear kind of runs down his cheek. Um, and the moment where he realises that Gamora has to go. Mm. You yeah. know, and you, you've, you've got a character who's actively... The, the evil, uh, megalomaniacal character who's actively grieving for something that he has to do. Yeah. Yeah, he he just sees what what he is doing as a necessary evil. Mm. It's not that he wants to do it. He just he's 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 come to the what what in his mind is logical, the logical conclusion that the only way to save the universe is to get rid of half of it. In in his in his mind, he is saving the universe. Um, so there's there's no fighting that mentality. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really great stuff. Um, I think there was something else I was going to say, but it's oh, oh yeah, just if the, if they ended the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point and then you know rebooted, <laughs> like I, I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm just saying that if they said, "Look, this is the last film. This is where it ends," it would actually work. Like, you know, I know a lot of people would be dissatisfied with that because, hey, the hero's lost. But... Yeah, it would actually work as a a finite ending to the whole franchise. If, you know, and then they could brush it aside, start again from scratch if if they wanted. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they're not because I like where they're at, you know, so... But, uh, yeah... Oh, Disney are all about integrity. They're not worried about money, you know. <laughs> yeah. So my number three, uh, I've been wanting to get to this one for a while, is Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, I freaking loved this film, and to me, it was perfect. It was absolute perfection for this kind of movie a big action blockbuster it hit every note every beat at the precise moment it needed to all the action scenes were just flipping incredible some of the best action scenes i've seen ever uh you know having a main actor like tom cruise who will fly his own helicopter during an action scene so that you can get the camera in there with him really helps, really helps. Uh, You know, really kind of puts you in that action. Um, I loved it. All those personal moments you were on about about where you you thought maybe they were trying to bring in too much for the the sake of it. I loved it. I liked the fact that they were tying up a lot of loose ends bringing a lot of things full circle um i just i was i was on the edge of my seat from start to finish i loved rogue nation um more on the second watch than i did on the first uh like i was a little bit disappointed on the first watch at the cinema um like i say second time around i was like actually no it's, it's it is good it is very good um but this just blew me away from start to finish. I was, I was literally on the edge of my seat. I'm not. I know people say that, 
but they don't really mean it. But yeah. there were literally times where I'd leaned forward and I was on the edge of my seat and I was almost biting my nails because just some of the situations that Hunt is in mm-hmm. just makes me cringe, you know, like, like it makes me sweat. I don't like heights. I don't like heights. That's why a scene from uh, Ghost Protocol just mm-hmm. makes me sweat. Even now, I've seen it loads of times and every time I watch it, it makes me sweat. Um, but lo- like... Almost every action sequence, every every action big set piece in this made me like that. Um, for me, it's one of the best action films in recent years. Uh, it, it's just, what can I say? It hit every note for me. Um, I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. I want, I, I'm hoping to get it on Blu-ray for Christmas, but uh, I just, yeah... I was really, really blown away by it. For me, it's the best Mission Impossible film. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give it a full five stars. I did give it a full five stars when I reviewed it. I had, I, I literally had no, no faults with it. There was not for me personally. Again, it's a subjective thing. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I came out of the cinema and I had nothing to fault it with. Um, my second favorite mission. If, if we're going to do the whole ranking, like we said. Um, for me, I'd go six, three, four, five, one, two. That I, that third film, you need you need to rewatch that. I think because you say it looks like TV. Mm. I, I I think maybe I I would agree that the script is a bit alias esque. I would say that the script is kind of TV esque, but cine, like the way it's shot. I think you I think you're smoking, smoking crack. crack. Yeah, yeah. I think you're smoking crack. It's like <laughs> it's. Uh, I just it's really cinematic. What uh, Abrams does with the camera at times, the way he where he puts it with the action is fantastic. Uh, you know that's clearly why he got the Star Trek gig, um, and he did save the Mission Impossible franchise, quite frankly, because after the John Woo yeah. entry, it was down the toilet. Can we just have a moment to go, like, have you ever seen a series of movies where it's universally agreed that one's just crap? Like, like part two. Like, that's the one. <laughs> Nobody puts that anywhere other than last place. No, I, I think it's... I have. I have... like Because I did a ranking video on my channel. Right. And there were a couple of people who commented with Mission Impossible 2 quite high up that list. Um, you're smoking crack. Definitely smoking crack. Mission Impossible 2 is clearly the lamest of the bunch. Um, if you sped up all the slow motion scenes that are in that film, the film would probably be about an hour and a half. Uh, so, yeah, just... Um, yeah, he, he, Abrams did save it, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the new one, and it was just incredible. Blew me away in every sense. And you know, both of us ever have... You know, mentioned this movie, and neither one of us mentioned Henry Cavill, mm. who 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 was, I, I thought fantastic, tremendous. And you, you think back to the movie, and you're thinking of of all the action set pieces, and I keep forgetting about my favourite one, the bathroom fight. Yes, which was absolutely you know breathtaking. Mm. You know, and just oh, wow. But yeah, 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 yeah. great. Okay, so we're on to number two. Is that right, Brian? Yep, number two. Number two. 
um, for me, was Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here. Um, so I've, uh, I, yeah, I've bought I've bought that on Blu-ray because I, I I've seen a couple of Lynn, Ram, Lynn Ramsey stuff. She's definitely a great director. Um, yeah, I've not seen it yet though, so I'll, I'll keep it um, spoiler-free. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix. What can you really say? To be honest, why why am I keep being surprised by this guy? Uh, I don't know. Again, he's a kind of damaged war veteran who, for work, retrieves um, kidnapped children from bad people. Okay. Um, And um, if he has to take out his violent frustrations on those bad people when he does it, that's the way he's going to use his therapy. Um, It's not a character that talks a lot. But his actions speak volumes. This movie is violent, it's dark, it's daunting, it is definitely haunting. It has some uh, deep, dark um, themes behind it. Um, it's, It's icky at its core, but there is a kind of sense of light optimism between two of the characters that seem to save each other through this journey. It's a quick movie. It was one of those ones that, like you said, I was on the edge of my seat watching it. No, not with uh, excitement or attention, but leaning leaning into the movie, just wanting to take it all in. And it's something that stuck with me and, and was vying for my favourite movie of the year. It's, it's beautiful and haunting and just very dark. And it's terrifically filmed, as you would expect these days. Most movies are, but there's some interesting choices. There's a scene where his character is going into a building and it's shown through all the security footage silently. Ah, oh, right. As it just rotates through the cameras. So he might be on one camera, he won't be on the next, he'll be on the next. And it's, it's daring and very interesting. Great movie. Absolutely. What's number two of the year? Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I bought that for. It had gone down to seven forty nine in HMV. It was one of them special, yeah, special purchase kind of deals. So I thought, I love Joaquin Phoenix. I saw the, tra- I remember seeing the trailer and being really grabbed by the trailer. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that's one I want to see. Um, so yeah, I, I might actually stick that on after we've finished. To be honest, uh, okay. Um, my number two, I'm a number one, and I would imagine this is probably the case with you. They kind of fluctuate depending on what mood I'm in. Well, but, uh, I think my number one's just been there the full year. Okay. Um, my num- Even now I'm like, should I flip them or what? Uh, oh... Oh man! Come back, put them back, please. You, you can overthink these things, can't you? Um, I'm going to switch them. I want to switch them. I'm looking at them now, and I'm thinking, I'm going to switch them. I'm going to flip them over. Okay. So what I did actually have as my number one, I'm flipping to my number two, and that's Molly's game. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm shocked. I'm a huge. 
Aaron Sarkin fan. Uh, just love the guy, everything he writes. Um, I was recently gifted the Masterclass series by by a friend, uh, and the first first Masterclass I went straight to was Aaron Sarkin's. Um, just the way he writes it, it, is just poetry. Uh, modern Shakespeare to me. I'm sure people would laugh at that, but to me, I just I love his style. I love the way he brings out character and talks about things. Um, West Wing is one of my favourite series of all time. Probably my favourite series of all time, if I'm being honest. This was his first film as director. He he wrote the script as well, and I found out that he was directing it. I was like, oh. You know, I was like, Aaron, maybe not a one thing to write the stuff and produce, but are you setting yourself up for a fall here? Are you just, are you really going to go there? Um, So I went quite trepidatious about it, or whatever the word is. Um, I watched it, and it just felt to me like an Aaron Sorkin film. Uh which is exactly what I want, you know? Social Network, Steve Jobs, Moneyball. It, it felt on the level of those to me in the way that it was written. I love the central character. And I also like that he's not afraid to go into cheese, a little bit of schmaltz. You know, we we get a, the, the scene towards the end in which Idris Elba's character really fights for her corner. Mm-hmm. Um it, it is cheesy, but it's it's the kind that I feel is earned by the rest of the film. Um, and it's also a moment that I want because of this character, because of what she's done, because of, or, you know, because of what she's not done, you know, because she's not, she's not named names and things like that. And you have to admire the fact that she's willing to take the hit. Uh, so, yeah, I love it. I just, again... I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan, and this is up there with me, with with the best of his work. So, yeah, um, I, I was excited for this one. I went and saw it. I, I came out the cinema going like, "Well, that was all right," and then I never thought about it again. It didn't even come close to getting above the middle of my list of movies. And like I said, I've seen 140. It's sitting about 70th. Um, I would have been you you would have shocked me if that was your number one. Wow. Um my number one is and this is disappointing, this has happened to me a few times. I've seen the best movie of the year in January. Um you know, and you, you always kinda watch for something beating it and it never happens. It's a bit disappointing to be fair. But my favourite movie of the year is three billboards outside Ebbings, Missouri. Um as we said earlier on, it's a movie that has everything. You know, it's it's thrills, it's action, it's comedy, it's drama. It is complete and every character is worthwhile and, and willing to be there. And the nature of the characters, how they have both good points and bad points. Everybody, even the main character. I love Sam Rockwell's character. Mm. And how he's just he's just broken um, yeah. in a different fashion from Francis McDormand's character. But even at the end of the movie, they're, they're kind of 
codependent on each other's craziness. Yeah. You know, and, and they know that. They're, they're not stupid. They understand what they're doing, but they're just willing to go with it because it just makes them feel that little bit better. You know, and it's not a shame to take um, liberties with its characters, you know, by painting Woody Harrelson to be the guy that's not done everything that he could, but he has, and then when he dies, you know, it kind of pulls the rug from under your feet. Mm. You know, you're like, oh, I kind of I thought he was a bit of a douche. And now this terrible thing's happened and you feel bad about it. And there's one moment in the movie in particular that had me um, completely st- stole my breath away uh, in, in a bad way. And that's when it's a flashback to Frances McDormand arguing with her daughter. And then she says that thing about just, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. It's, yeah. it's You're laughing. And then the next minute you go from laughing to, oh. Mm-hmm. And everything just, the, the colour drains from you. The breath escapes your body. You can't speak. You're just like, wow, that's the last thing you said to your daughter. Yeah. before the unspeakable happened mm. and it's a movie about grief people dealing with this kind of grief and trauma in their life and it sounds deep and, and, and drama filled but every time I think about it the movie I think about the funny bits you know, the real life characters it's horrible to see yeah, yeah, yeah. but it really is it's a movie that had everything and, and mm. At no point did it get knocked off the top of my list. Mm. It's a terrific movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I can imagine with a few more viewings it moving up my list, to be honest. Like I say, big fan of the director. Um, so my number one uh, is Annihilation. Uh, so... This was a Netflix film, but they didn't produce it. It was produced by Paramount, who got cold feet at the last minute. So Netflix picked it up, put it out, and it's just it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, I, I love my sci-fi. As you know, uh, it's probably the genre I'm most kind of geared towards, particularly when, when you get sci-fi horror. I think sci-fi and horror mixed just makes for the best movies ever um written and directed by alex garland who wrote sunshine one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time as well as writing and directing ex machina so i had high expectations for this and those expectations were met uh, brilliant central performance by natalie portman and this story of this yeah this crazy alien thing just arriving on earth uh kind of starts to bubble out into a a massive dome uh anything that goes into that dome doesn't really come out uh and but gets irreverent can't say the word so i'm not going to bother changed it it gets changed uh it gets absolutely completely just weirded out once they're in there you know the crazy bear scene probably probably the best horror scene from any film this year i think for me personally that just that it just ooh, when that bear kind of opens its mouth and squeals and and you hear the people's voices 
coming out. It's just there's something not right about that. <laughs> something seriously not right about that. But it just it just sends a shudder down your spine. Um, and uh, yeah, just like. I did an essay for this on my channel, The Movie Evangelist, because I just think it's a really great film about having to let your old self die in order to in order to become something greater, something new, a new creation, so to speak. The film is about sin and how sin needs to be dealt with and how the sin of mankind is a destructive force, that, that we are wired, essentially, to destroy ourselves. Um, and that the only way around that is to become something else, is to become a new creation. So, for me, brilliant film. Those themes are handled really, really well. Um, great special effects. Love the cinematography on it. Um, Oscar Isaac as well. Uh, doesn't get a big role in it, but what he does do is effective. Love him as an actor anyway. Um, yeah, just... Th this is what sci-fi is all about. It's it's a film that asks questions and steps away. I mean, we reviewed Tau fairly recently, and that's a film that got really knocked down for me because it asks the good questions... And then proceeded to answer them. Mm. And you're like, that, uh, that's not good sci-fi. Good sci-fi asks the questions and then steps the hell back. And that's what this film does. And that's not to say that it doesn't have a clear MO. It's not to say that it doesn't have a clear vision that, that says something very specific. But it leaves you, the audience member, to find that and to, to figure out what that is. Like a parable, uh, you know, which is what a parable does. Asks the question, lets you figure out the answer. Um, and that's what great sci-fi does. And this is great sci-fi. So, hmm. Annihilation, my number one. Fantastic. I think we've, we've got two good lists here. Of course, they're deeply personal to each of us and our tastes. Uh, and I think we, we only had a crossover of three movies, I believe. So, yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And also, Annihilation is coming to Blu-ray in the new year, so you'll be able to add it to your collection at some point. Yes. Anything else to add about this year? Uh, only that I hope next year is better. I, I mean, like I say, from the ten films that I've listed, I, I think it has, you know, it's definitely had its strengths. Um, and there are still a few more just below that that I can see. You know, like we didn't do honourable mentions, uh, but I'll just reel off and, and see. Even some of these, a lot of these actually are from 2017. Again, it's that whole Oscar nonsense. But um, American Animals re really rated that film. That that was a that was a surprise for me. Isle of Dogs. Black Panther, The Shape of Water, Overlord, I thought was really good. Um, I thought Solo, A Star Wars Story, was underrated. I think people were way too harsh on it. Ladybird, Hotel Artemis, uh, The Post, which was a Spielberg film, and one of those of his that I think a lot of people would put into the... Uh, it's just Spielberg on autopilot, but... Spielberg on autopilot for me is still better than, I don't know, Spotlight that won Best Picture at the Oscars a few years back, you know. 
a film I liked. I did. I liked Spotlight, but I, I, I thought the post did a better job of it personally um the way it was directed but that's just spielberg for you uh so so yeah you know there's there's still ridley scott was quite on form this year with all the money in the world although i think that again if you go in a few us release dates i think that may have been a 2017 release um so yeah any more for any more um, just, I, I don't think so. I think the, yeah. the one that I toyed with putting on my list, which I can't, I can't, it doesn't belong on it, is um, I'll just say it, and then you can mock me as much as you want. Super Troopers Two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love the original, right? And um, when I went to the cinema, to get see out! This, I, I I was having the worst day ever. And this brand of just idiocracy is just, it just struck me in all the right places. Now, I went to the cinema a couple of days later because I was like, surely, surely it was just the day I was having. And I loved it again. And I watched it two days ago. And I think it is so much fun. But it doesn't belong in a top 10 list. Definitely not. Um, one, one that. One that I do kind of think deserves to be in my top 10 list, but isn't anywhere near my top 10 list, is Hereditary. Um, No, I don't see that one. Oh, right. As far as horror goes, as far as scaring the crap out of me, if that's what horror is meant to do, if it's meant to scare you, uh, I mean, I I personally don't think that, that it is. I think it's meant to horrify and there is a difference. That's why it's called horror. Uh, but but if you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, it didn't scare me," so it's a rubbish horror film. Hereditary scared the crap out of me. Seriously, did. Um, I didn't like the ending, and I went away just with a just with an icky feeling about me <laughs> about about that and uh, about the film because of that. And I just I, I was wrestled with it for ages. A film that lingered in my mind. Um, like I say, it's brilliantly executed on every single level. Mm. But for me, in the end, what I touched upon, the reason that the reason that I can't put it in my top ten, and and the reason I probably won't watch it again, is that there's no hope in the film. Like it's it's like the train spotting of. Although no, because train spotting has hope. He walks away at the end. It's the requ- it's it's the requiem for a dream of um, spiritual horror movies. And you, you go for like Wicker Man as well. The, all mm. the way through the movie, the hero's destined. Yeah, I, I think I, I think there's definitely more of a more of a call to Wicker Man. I'd say that, um, but more more so the witch. Right. The, the recent horror film, The Witch, which which I didn't like for the same reason, and yet I would still say is is one of the best made horror films you're likely to find in the way that it's shot, the way that it's acted, the way that um, it's directed. There's there's one moment in Hereditary where it's just a wide shot, and there's there's part way through. It's just it's just one long shot, but there's part way through it where you're like, I think there's something there. 
in the shadows. You get the sense of a shape of it, and you're like, and you're looking round at people, and you're thinking, I wonder if anyone else has noticed that. And you're looking, and then you become transfixed on this one spot, waiting for it to move, because you're like, I'm sure there's something there. Um, and, and it's just, and it's that kind of filmmaking where just because the director has such expert use of the camera and the cinematography that he can direct your eye to something and he can make you see exactly what you, he wants you to see and, and feel at any given time. So on every conceivable level, from a technical standpoint, I would say Hereditary is perfection and deserves to be on anyone's top ten list. But quite simply, it's a film I will never watch again. It scared me too much and it left me with no hope. Um, basically, the darkness wins. Uh, and that, for me, doesn't sit well because of obvious reasons, which we won't get into. So, yeah. Of course. Of course, I, I think um, that's one I will check out at some point. I'm in no rush to get there. Um, but I will check it out. So, okay. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to our top 10 of the year. Next month we'll be back to our usual recording where we'll be discussing cold in July, something that I'm looking forward to. And we hope to uh, have you with us for the next year as we ramble about more movies. Thanks for listening and I hope you had a great Christmas and a great New Year. Adios. Adios.